This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. A warm welcome to you from the ministry of the Christian Crusaders. Money. Some of us have a lot of it. Others of us don't. Most of us wish we had more. Many of us are uncomfortable having someone approach us about it, especially in church. Let's learn what Jesus says when a man asks him for financial advice. Today's message, be careful with money and possessions. Have you ever considered wealth as dangerous? Today we're going to see what Jesus has to say about the place of money and possessions in our lives. I hope you'll stay with us. We begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you pray with me? Almighty God, who fashioned us and made us in your image, we praise you this day for all that you've given, food, clothing, home, family, everything we need from day to day. May we never forget that all we have comes from you and belongs to you. Amen. Our reading for today is taken from Luke chapter 12, beginning at verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly, and he thought to himself, What should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, I'll do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. Dear friends, there was a man who worked all his life and saved as much as he could. He was tight. He loved money, you see, more than anything. Just before he died, he said to his wife, When I die, I want you to take all my money and put it in the casket with me. I'm going to take it with me. The wife promised she'd do that. At his funeral, just before the director closed the casket, the wife came up and put a box in that casket. They shut the casket, rolled it away. The wife's friend said to her later, I know you weren't foolish enough to put all that money in there with that guy. She said, I can't lie. I promised him I would put that money in the casket with him. You mean to tell me that you put that money in the casket with him? Her friend asked, I sure did, said the wife, and she smiled and said, I wrote him a check. <laughs> We're talking about money today. Some of us have a lot of it. Some of us don't. Most of us wish we had more. Many of us are kind of private about it, while others don't mind flaunting it. Many of us are uncomfortable talking about it or having someone approach us about it, especially in church. But you know, Jesus talked about money a lot. 
Almost half of his parables are about how to handle one's money and possessions. In the Gospels, one out of ten verses deal directly with the subject of money and possessions. Why do you suppose that is? It's because Jesus knew what a dangerous hold it can have on our lives. It can become an idol, a god, a substitute god that we're prone to pursue and worship and serve at the expense of our health and our relationships with family and friends and most importantly God. Money is probably God's chief competition for our hearts. It holds the most potential to become for us a God substitute because it offers us what we want so dearly in life, security and satisfaction and significance. But these are the very things that God wants us to depend on him for. So Jesus talked about this a lot. The money issue was brought to Jesus in today's passage. There was a squabble between two brothers over the family inheritance. You know the old saying, wherever there's a will, there's a family. He says, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now Jesus refuses to get in the middle of this squabble. But he used the man's request as a teachable moment. First, he offered some wisdom, a warning. Take care. Be on guard against all kinds of greed, for life doesn't consist of an abundance of possessions. And then Jesus told a parable to illustrate his statement. He said, let me tell you this story about a rich man. He's a farmer whose land yielded bumper crops, making him an even wealthier farmer. Talking to himself, he said, what am I going to do with all of this? I have no place to put all these crops. I know, he thought, I'll build new and bigger barns to store it, and then I'll sit back and I'll tell my soul, soul, eat, drink, relax, and be merry. But that night, God came and spoke to that man and called him a fool, because his time was now up in the world, and who was going to get all this stuff? In the Old Testament, by the way, a fool is defined as someone who ignores God and makes unwise, destructive choices. So by using that title, God is pointing out to the rich man, hey, that sums up exactly who you are and what you've done with your life. You've lived it foolishly. Notice the words that are repeated over and over again in the rich man's statements to himself. I... First of all, what should I do? I have no place to store. I will do this. I will pull down. I will store. I will say. Then there's the word my. My crops, my barns, my grain, my goods, my soul. And then consider what's missing in this self-talk. It's God. This is godless talk, godless thinking. There, first of all, is no thanks to God for the gift of the great crops. He fails to recognize that everything he has been blessed with and everything that we have been blessed with is a gift from God. Actually, it's a loan. Everything belongs to God. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, says the psalmist. And God is missed in the questioning. There's no question like, I wonder what God would have me do with all that he's given me. 
There's no accountability to God in this man's life. There's no thought of giving it away, sharing of his blessings with others in need as God commanded. He's keeping it all for himself. And something else is missing as well. Humility. He sees himself in complete control of his life and his future, doesn't he? He thinks he has life by the tail. There's a certain arrogance to this man. He sees himself as self-made, secure, a success in life. And he's delusional, according to God, who has the final word over his life. The man hasn't realized that this life is a gift that can be given and taken away. It's God's to give and to take away. It can be short, unpredictable. We may make our future plans and think we know, but who really knows? Only God knows, and this guy doesn't get that. And he also seems to be missing the big picture, like some people are prone to do. He acts as if this life is all there is to live for. There's no eternal perspective in the man's mind, is there? Someday he's going to die, and then what? He doesn't realize that. The day is coming when all our 401ks and bank accounts and silos and buildings and stock portfolios will be completely irrelevant. Titles will no longer impress. It won't matter what clothes hung in our closet or cars set in our garages. I'm reminded of a bit of wisdom found in the book of James. It says, For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the field, its flowers fall and its beauty perishes. It's the same way with the rich. In the midst of a busy life, they will wither away. Instead of living for God, you see, he's living for his wealth and for himself. And God says, that's a foolish life. That's why he then asks a good question. Your life's over. Now who's going to get all these things? You've probably heard the old adage, haven't you? You can't take it with you. Or this one. I haven't seen any U-Hauls driving into the cemetery lately. The parable of Jesus affirms that. So Jesus concludes to his audience, So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves and are not rich towards God. Now what does he mean by that? He says, don't get caught up storing treasures for yourself. What does it mean to be rich towards God? He's talking about a relationship with God, loving and trusting and obeying and serving God with your whole heart, soul, strength, and mind. All of what Jesus has told us today is an appeal to value God instead of treasures, like money and possessions. To value God above all else and to not end up living a godless life chasing after those false gods like the rich fool. To not let money and possessions become the purpose of our lives as it is prone to be sometimes. In and of itself, money is not evil. The love of it is, though. And what money represents in this world makes it dangerous for us. And pursuing money and possessions lead us away from God or push God out of the picture in one's life. And Jesus, Jesus knows us all too well. He remembers the Garden of Eden. As sinful beings, we easily fall prey to wanting more, more, 
more for ourselves. And soon we're off the track and foolishly lost. And that's why for every verse in the Bible that tells of the benefits of wealth, there are 10 that tell us the danger of wealth. Now in this parable, Jesus is not condemning riches or rich people. Don't get him wrong on this. He is rather illustrating a wrong attitude towards riches and how it can wreck your eternal relationship with God. Real life is not measured by how much we own. Jesus is saying that real life is about knowing that we come from God, we live through God, and we'll return to God someday. So we should love God on route, living trusting and obedient lives. Real life is about having a rich relationship with God. So don't play the fool like the guy in the story. I don't know about you, but I find this passage of Scripture very challenging. There are some personal questions that I need to be asking myself. And I invite you to think about them as well. There are three in particular, and here they are. The first one is, what is your attitude towards money and possessions? As a follow-up question, do you live as if everything you have comes from and belongs to God? Do you know your place? Do you see yourself as the owner or the manager of what you have? And if so, what are you doing with all that God has given you to manage? Your attitude about money and possessions shows up in how tightly or loosely you're holding on to it. Does it annoy you to be asked to give? Do you find yourself wondering about the least amount you could acceptably give? Or do you enjoy using your finances to help others? What percentage of your income are you giving away these days? Is the cause of God in the world better off because you have been entrusted with his money? The second question, what place do money and possessions have in my life? Some people think about this topic all the time, worrying about it or figuring out ways to get more money or more security for themselves so that they can feel secure and satisfied. And they wind up sacrificing important things in life in order to have more. Does that describe you? And, and I know some people struggle with finances, and this can be a stressor and a focus in your life. But if you're presently in a tough financial situation, are you continuing to bring that burden to the Lord? Asking his help. And, and do you give thanks to God in all circumstances, in plenty and in want? Third question. Finally, do you measure your self-worth by your net worth? I hope not. Some people are constantly comparing what they have or what they're making with what others have or what they're making. They covet, they get jealous, they resent those who have more. They're miserable. And they seem to believe that having more makes a person more important, more valuable. Nothing could be further from the truth. 
And Jesus is encouraging us today to consider all these kinds of questions so that we might be wise, on guard, and enjoy real life with our God. I love this testimony I came across in an eye-opening book written by Kyle Eidelman. It's named Gods at War. This man writes, The God of money was almost irresistible. He spun tales of sports cars, luxury homes, and all the good things he was going to buy for us. Yes, we had heard the old refrain that money can't buy happiness. We knew that. We had seen what it had done to people over and over. But we were going to be different. We would know how to use that money without letting it use us. We didn't want to buy happiness. We just wanted to rent a little pleasure. But somewhere it all went wrong. Somehow the God of money became our slave driver. He kept us running, following him, trying to keep him from getting away. We followed the green brick road until we longed for rest. We put our hope in what we might find at the end of the rainbow. We thought money would provide us with security, significance, and some measure of life satisfaction. But strangely, even when we had money, we still felt broke. We chose Jesus later and discovered that he is our provider. And he provides everything we need. He provides us with security because he never leaves us or forsakes us. He provides us with significance because our identity and value are found in his love. He provides us with satisfaction because our souls were made for him. We discovered that God would meet all our needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. What a wonderful testimony. Friends, this Jesus knows what makes life work. He loves you. He went to the cross for you to have an abundant life with God that God intended for you. Jesus became poor so that you might become rich with God. And he rose again as an affirmation that his word is life-giving truth for you and for me. I appeal to you to this day, trust him on this subject of money and possessions. Jesus knows what he is talking about. Real life does not consist in money and possessions. Real life is about having a rich relationship with God. Amen. Now as you go on your way, may Christ go with you. May he go before you to show you the way, behind you to encourage you, beside you to befriend you, above you to watch over, and within you to give you his peace. Amen. You've been worshiping with the ministry of the Christian Crusaders. We pray today's message has encouraged you to evaluate your attitude toward money and possessions and trust Jesus on this subject in your life. Christian Crusaders is a nonprofit ministry supported entirely by the gifts of our listening audience. Estate gifts, large and small, are a significant part of our ministry's funding. Please consider a final gift to this important service as part of your estate planning. For more information, feel free to write us at Christian Crusaders, 7401 University Avenue, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613. Our email address is cc at naz.org. Or feel free to call us toll-free at 1-888-693-2484. 
in the Waterloo Cedar Falls, Iowa area, dial 277-0924. We thank each of you for your gifts and prayers. We invite you to visit our colorful, easy-to-navigate website where you can find both a printed and audio copy of today's message as well as many recent messages. Visit us online today at christiancrusaders.org. Thank you for worshiping with us today, and please join us again next week at this same time and place. Conducting the service was our speaker, Pastor Steve Kramer. Christian Crusaders has been broadcasting biblical truth continuously since 1936.